Today's podcast is brought to you by my book, The Sex Spiral, Forgiven and Free from Pornography. The Sex Spiral will teach you God's design for sexuality, the triggers that lead to porn addiction, and how to exit the sex spiral with a purity plan for your life. You can order online at Amazon.com or any other retailer. Hey, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's show. The Dustin Daniels Show. Unashamedly proclaiming God's purity through His Son, Jesus Christ. Devoted to saving marriages. Dedicated to protecting children. Addressing sex with biblical truth and without shock value. You're listening to the intersection of life and lust. Call toll-free at 1-855-5-DUSTIN. And now, here's your host, Purity Pastor Dustin Daniels. Jesus went away from Galilee, and he entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed the sick. And Pharisees came up to Jesus, and they tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And Jesus answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. It's Matthew 19, verses 1 through 6. It is so interesting to me how Jesus Christ answers this question from the church of his day. He not only answers the question about divorce, but he also gives us the standard for all of sexuality at the very same time. Look look at what Jesus does here. He points us right back to the beginning of creation in Genesis 2:24. And with one statement, we see the template for all of sexuality. We see the the standard for which all sexuality is now based and judged. Think about it. One biological man and one biological woman under a covenant from God is his definition of marriage and sexuality. <laughs> it's it's so simple, isn't it? I mean, God is not a god of confusion and disorder. No, he's a, he's a God of simplicity and order. We as humans, we're, we're the ones that make things difficult, don't we? I mean, let, let me give you an example. When I left my first wife and I chose to have two affairs with two different women, I knew it was wrong. I don't know if I would have ever called it sin back then because the, the, that word wasn't in my vocabulary, but I knew it was wrong. But you know what? I was defiant. I was entitled. And I was, I was going to do whatever I wanted to do. Nobody could tell me to do any different. I knew it was wrong, but you know what? I justified my thoughts and I rationalized my behavior. And now, hmm, now I see myself in so many of you. Dustin, when, when is lust actually lust? How long is, is too long to look? 
Ah, Dustin, I, I know that, that I'm not supposed to be sleeping with my girlfriend, but, but see, we, we love uh, one another. And, and you don't want me to hold back my love from her, right? Dustin, is, is masturbation a sin? I mean, really, how can porn hurt anyone? Now, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, time and time again, I will point you back to Genesis 2.24. See, not my words, but God's. God's word reiterated by his son, Jesus Christ. And look, even if, even if you're not a Christian, I understand the skepticism. But the reason I believe this to be true is because anyone who claims to be God He predicts his own death and rises from the dead, and then he shows himself to hundreds of people afterward to prove to us that he is exactly who he said he was. Well, he's got the authority over everything and everyone. And secondly, you know what? I believe this to be true because I tried it the other way. I tried it the world's way. (laughs) I'm telling you, man, it didn't work out so well. I was an addict for over 20 years of my life. And if you want to hear that whole story, you can visit DustinDanielsRadio.com. And you know what? We we tend to frame this discussion with God as as God kind of being this grumpy grandfather-type stereotypical caricature, don't we? He's like this cosmic killjoy instead of a loving father who only wants the very best for you. Pastor James McDonald, he says something like this. He says, we don't realize that when God says don't, he's saying don't hurt yourself. But we do, don't we? We we continue to hurt ourselves. Our country has hurt itself again, well, by legalizing sexual sin. And the church still doesn't know how to deal with same-sex attraction and, and homosexuality and now gay legalized marriage. So, On today's show, I wanted to give a very clear picture of where we are from a biblical worldview on this topic of homosexuality. And my guest today is Joe Dallas. He is an author, conference speaker, and ordained pastoral counselor. He's the program director of Genesis Biblical Counseling in California, which is a counseling ministry for men dealing with sexual addiction homosexuality, and other sexual and relational problems. He has received his master's degree in Christian counseling from Vision University in San Diego. Joe, welcome to the Dustin Daniels Show. Great being with you, Dustin. Thank you for having me. Hey, man, we are going to discuss your book. It's called The Gay Gospel, How Pro-Gay Advocates Misread the Bible. And before we dive into that, the, the content of your book, Would you mind sharing with us your story? You know, I believe there is tremendous redeeming power in stories, and your story, I think, will help set us up for this discussion. So my question, Joe, is how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, well, I appreciate uh, the question, because when we talk about sexual purity and God's plan, this stuff is not just academic. To me, it's very personal. Uh, Dustin, I spent a number of years as a backslidden Christian, identifying myself as a gay Christian and a gay man. 
and uh, committed myself to promoting the idea that homosexuality and the Bible were compatible. So uh, it sounds to me like uh, a bit different from your story. In my case, I was a born-again believer uh, for about seven years before I really gave myself over to sexual sin. Uh, I had, as a boy and as a teenager, wrestled with homosexuality and actually with heterosexual uh, promiscuity as well. So I had been sexually active from the time I was about 13. I was saved when I was 16. A girl I was dating actually took me out to uh, a little church in Costa Mesa called Calvary Chapel, which at that time was just starting to explode in 1971. And that's where I heard the gospel and responded. And uh, at that time, I thought, Dustin, that if I was born again, that would eradicate all sexual temptation. Because I very rarely heard Christians talk about these things. In fact, I got to tell you, when I was a young Christian, a radio show like yours just would not happen. Mm. (laughs) We we were not (laughs) talking about this stuff, which is too bad, because the Bible talks about this stuff. So. Um, as a result, I, I felt that if I had sexual temptation, if I still had to watch where my eyes went, if I still had unwanted thoughts, it must mean I was doing something wrong as a Christian and that I was a second-rate believer. And so I, I kept trying to reach a point where I would never be tempted instead of realizing that the flesh is the flesh. We, we have an old nature that we deal with when we're born again. And uh, it doesn't get better, which is why we're told to crucify it, not to try to, to reform it, and uh, that, that God would empower me to do that. Instead, I finally got discouraged and said, oh, forget it. If I still have temptations, I'm just going to give in to them. And that was the beginning of a very entitled mindset. I told myself that I was entitled to my pleasure. And so I began using porn, and then I entered into an affair with uh, a married woman, and then eventually uh, began going to gay bars, wound up in a relationship, and through that relationship was introduced to the gay church. So for a number of years, I tried to justify my sexual sin in God's sight, because I didn't want to give up my relationship with God, but I also didn't want to give up my sexual sin. So I tried the Jesus and approach, which I think a lot of people do. They basically say, I want Jesus and my particular area of compromise, so I'm going to try to find a way for them to coexist peacefully. And uh, of course, we know that Jesus does not coexist peacefully with compromise. The Holy Spirit's conviction became very intense, and I was brought to repentance in uh, January of 1984. And that, for me, meant starting over, moving to a new county, getting relocated into a good church, and starting at ground zero at the age of 29. I did not realize then that I would, within a few years, meet a young woman who I would fall very deeply in love with and would marry, and has been my wife for 28 years now. And I didn't realize I'd have the opportunity, the the honor, really, of working with other Christian men who deal with sexual issues as well. Uh, but it really began for me, the, the real uh, turning point, when I realized that I had made a God out of myself. And out of that idolatry, when I told myself, I'm entitled, 
I get to do what I want. I will, which has a very Luciferian echo to it, uh, why uh, that was really the great sin God was calling me to repent of. And I got to say to this day, I'm still working on that one. How long did you spend within the context of, of the gay church, Joe? I would say about six years, uh, Dustin. I uh, joined up in 1978. I left in uh, early 1984. So uh, at that time, the Metropolitan Community Church was just about the only church you could find that professed to be both gay and Christian. Of course, now we have full denominations who have gone that direction. But at that time, uh, there were very few uh, options available for somebody who wanted to retain both a gay identity and a Christian identity. You talk about the first day of uh, going in, inside your book of the worship and the community. Can, can you give us an idea of what that felt like? Because you do such a great job of like, wow, this is real. This is what I've been missing my whole life, right? Well, yes, Dustin. And, and I, I try to point this out to people let me start by saying very broadly, I believe that the the Church, the body of Christ, is on the verge of making an enormous decision either to once and for all embrace homosexuality and say that it is part of God's plan and that we've been wrong all along, or definitively reject it and say, no, whatever direction the culture takes, we're not going with them. And I think one of the reasons so many people are saying yes to it is that so often it is presented in very Christian terms. If I'd have walked into that gay church and seen a Roman orgy in progress, it would have been pretty easy for me to say, whoa, this is cultic, this is not Christian, forget it. But that's not what happened at all. I walked in there in the fall of 1978, and there was a congregation full of men and women of all ages, of all types, and they were singing choruses, praise choruses I was familiar with, evangelical hymns I was familiar with. My gosh, the choir opened up with a song by Bill and Gloria Gaither. Now, to me, that's the standard of gospel (laughs) music. And people were lifting their hands and clapping. And what struck me, Dustin, was that if it weren't for the fact that some of the people there were couples of the same sex holding hands, I'd have never known I was in a gay church. It seemed like a standard, evangelical, mildly charismatic Christian church. And that really got me thinking, wow, maybe it's possible, because they're singing the right songs, they're acting like believers, maybe it's possible to reconcile my homosexuality with Christianity. And because the people were, in many ways, as I got to know them, so sincere, and in many ways, wonderful people, it made it easier for me to tell myself this is right. And I think that that is one of the uh, most deceptive elements to this, is that the people who are calling themselves gay Christians and the churches that are converting to a pro-gay position, they are not despicable people. They are not uh, horrendous, obnoxious, outrageous folks. Uh, they are in many ways believers who are sincere, but, and I say this very strongly, I believe they are sincerely wrong, mm. but sincere nonetheless. 
And there was a strong sense of community in that church. There was a, a freedom in being able to say, I can be completely open about being gay and completely open about being Christian and not be ashamed of either one. That felt very freeing. And in a way, I, I regret the fact that people within the Bible-believing church can't, within the proper context, say, I'm a believer and I have these temptations and I want to deal with these temptations, rather than feeling compelled to keep them secret. When we come back, we're going to hear the rest of Joe Dallas's story and discuss his book. It's called The Gay Gospel, How Pro-Gay Advocates Misread the Bible. And to learn more, you can visit JoeDallas.com. As we travel down some of the more mundane corridors of life, it's vital that we maintain an eternal perspective. Grace-based advice from Dr. Tim Kimmel on today's Family Matters Minute. Sometimes we're so entrenched in the daily grind that we forget to step back and enjoy the rich little moments that make up our day. For instance, our lives move so fast that we might not notice the last time our kids ask us for a piggyback ride or savor the first time we drop one of them off at their new high school. Yet these moments are filled with meaning. We'd all do better to savor the mundane moments that make up our lives as parents and grandparents. They're God moments that give us a chance to share His grace. An eternal perspective sees them for what they are, miniature chapters of a wonderful story that started at conception but will continue forever. Enjoying your family in the framework of God's grace is within your grasp. Stop by FamilyMatters.net for help. That's FamilyMatters.net. My name is Dr. Heath Lambert, and you are listening to The Dustin Daniels Show. Well, thank you, Heath. His book is called Finally Free. If you haven't heard that interview, please log on to DustinDanielsRadio.com to listen to it. Wonderful interview. And there are a hundred radio shows now discussing over uh, the topics of biblical love and sex and marriage. And then also your questions being answered from a biblical Worldview. Today, my, my guest is Joe Dallas. He is an author, conference speaker, ordained pastoral counselor, and he's the program director of Genesis Biblical Counseling in California. Before the break, Joe, you were telling us your story, and you mentioned that these people within the gay church that you were attending, they were sincere, but you found out they were sincerely wrong. How do we as the church now, where we are today, with the Supreme Court saying that gay marriage is is legal. How do we, church, have that discussion? Uh, Well, first, I think we need to be willing to have it, despite whatever tensions may come as a result. Dustin, the whole world is talking about this, except for the church. Mm. (laughs) I mean, so it, it seems to me kind of scandalous I'm sad to say 
are shying away from talking about this because they are afraid of the controversy that will come as a result. And the controversy will come. I do think it would be um, more fearsome to stand before God and uh, give an account of how you've stewarded your time on earth and have to admit that you've been afraid of controversy. If it's going to be a choice between faithfulness and controversy or uh, unfaithfulness and controversy, I'll choose controversy. Joe, what is the difference? I I think there's a lot of confusion with the Church on the difference between same-sex attraction versus the homosexual agenda. Yeah, well, there is a a big difference. I mean, certainly there are many people who are same-sex attracted, and that simply means that they have uh, the same attractions to the same sex that most people have to the opposite sex. That is not a choice. People do not just decide that they're going to have that. I call it an involuntary condition. It's something that people realize they have. I happen to think it's one of many manifestations of fallen nature, and I think that uh, it's, it's like many other desires or attractions people have that are contrary to God's will. We're not held accountable for the fact that we have those temptations, but we are held accountable to resist them and not not give in to them. The agenda issue, of course, not all homosexual people have the same agenda, and in all fairness, I mean, we all have an agenda. I certainly have an agenda. (laughs) You know, there are things I want to see happen, so I don't begrudge anybody having an agenda. However, and this is a big however, there is certainly, as we speak, Dustin, a, a concerted effort going on to convert the Bible-believing church. The more liberal church has already been or is in the process of being converted on this issue. But the Bible-believing church is being uh, targeted, there's no other word I could use for it, for conversion or silence or minimizing. And let me explain that. I believe the goal that the gay rights movement has is to either convert the church's thinking on this. And I I think that realistically, even though the law may be on the side of uh, pro-gay forces, even if the law legitimizes all aspects of homosexuality, including same-sex marriage, I don't think that will be enough. I think that the gay rights movement is still going to demand that anybody who is opposing the legitimizing of homosexuality, anybody who holds to the traditional ethic, is going to either have to be converted, or they're going to have to be silenced, or at the very least, they're going to have to be compelled to minimize the issue. The minimizing that we're seeing is the first step, and it's happening among many evangelicals, Dustin, and that's basically a process by which people say, oh, well, you say homosexuality is a sin, I say it's not, but we're all believers, we can all get along, it's not an essential difference, let's not let it divide us. So the the minimizing approach is, is to try to put it in the same category as, say, eternal security, uh, or whether the rapture of the church is uh, pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib. We're (laughs) we're not going to break fellowship over those issues, are we? Yeah, we're not. And we shouldn't. So the minimist approach is to basically say, okay, well, if you think homosexuality is a sin, that's okay as long as you don't enforce that in your church. Don't make it an issue. 
we we can still all be in fellowship together. And and that is uh, basically a way of saying this is not an essential issue. My guest today is Joe Dallas. He is the author of The Gay Gospel, How Pro-Gay Advocates Misread the Bible. You can visit Joe's website at joedallas.com. And if you are new to the radio program, you can visit us at dustindanielsradio.com. You can listen online, uh, podcast via iTunes, email us your questions. You can get connected into a small group if you're dealing with some type of purity issue yourself. If you have a question, you can give me a call at one 855 Five Dustin. And let's remember the kingdom of God isn't just a lot of talk, it's living in God's power. I love you. See you next week. The Dustin Daniels Radio Show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. This information is given with the understanding that neither the host nor the station is engaged in rendering counseling advice for your personal situation. If you need further help, we encourage you to seek the services of a Christ-based counseling professional. For more information on the radio show, visit DustinDanielsRadio.com.